Hey everybody, on this episode of the Total Soccer Show, I'm going to be talking to The Athletic's Meg Linehan about the NWSL Challenge Cup, the newly announced NWSL Challenge Cup. We get into some details, how it's all going to work out, how it all came to be, who's maybe well positioned, and what that NWSL village is going to look like. And then we also get valuable insight from the crow who appears to be hanging around Meg as she records this interview outside. Uh, So we appreciate that from the crow and from Meg. But first, the folks at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society would like you to know that in a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer does not stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the LLS will host a trailblazing event, the Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, in order to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill, or maybe running away from the ambulance that is blaring out outside of my house, uh, you can climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. One more time, register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Everybody and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I'm Taylor Rockwell. With me today to talk NWSL is Meg Linehan of the Athletic. Meg, first off, thank you for taking the time on what sounds like it's going to be another busy day for you. It seems like you have a lot of those lately. It's it's been a week. Um, it is it has absolutely been a week so far. <laughs> uh, yes, and that is I'm assuming primarily relating to the announcement of the NWSL Challenge Cup. Let's start there. What do we know about the format, the proposed dates? Uh, what can you tell us uh, for people who've missed it about the Challenge Cup? Sure. So we had our actual official announcement, right? The best part is we we kind of know some details about the format, but we really don't actually know what the format is really going to actually look like, at least in what they're calling the preliminary rounds. But essentially, all nine teams are going to Utah for a month and probably some change. Um, They're going to have a preliminary round. Every every team plays four games and then the top eight of nine advance to the quarterfinals. Right. That's the joy of having a league with nine teams um and then it turns into a knockout competition so you have quarterfinal semifinal final this is running uh it starts june 27th and then it runs through july 26th um one of the fun complications of this is most of the tournament will be played at zion's bank stadium uh which is the smaller stadium um in the rsl family uh which has a turf surface and then the semifinals and final will be at rio tinto stadium in uh, sandy Wow. All right. So uh, a lot of questions there. Uh, starting <laughs> off with the the nine teams uh, entering eight, mm-hmm. making the knockout round. If you were betting, uh, is there one particular team that you think <laughs> might be that ninth team who doesn't get to go to the knockout round? You know, I, th- I think there's been a lot of jokes about that, right? Mm-hmm. Already, um, you don't want to be that ninth team. Obviously, I mean, I suggested yesterday on Twitter that they should get the right to stay and just heckle for the rest of the tournament. Um <laughs> <laughs> they should just have like a crowd cam on the ninth <laughs> team instead of fans. And their only goal is to like personally attack all the other players Perfect. on all of the other eight teams. I like it. Um, I don't know if there is an immediate contender. I think that there you're going to see like kind of some of the same names come up. You know, Orlando has been in that mix. Houston has been in that mix. I don't know if that's entirely fair to either team. 
Orlando has absolutely gotten better this offseason. I mean, they've added Allie Riley um, to their defense. They've added Jade Moore. Um, I don't, and, and this is kind of the joy of a tournament, right? Where you have a, it's not 24 games spread over the course of a season where you kind of see the same issues crop up time and time again. Like every team is going to be facing different challenges. I think what's actually going to play a bigger role is who's had more significant real meaningful training time. Like sky blue has a real disadvantage here. They've only just started to shift back into a more meaningful training situation. So there's a lot of factors at play here. And I don't know if that actually means that we have like a leading candidate for team number nine. Then let me flip it around then, because my, my equally maybe boorish question is, did they not just want to award the title to the North Carolina Courage and do it that way? Because that feels like another way they could have gone. Yeah, I don't know if you saw yesterday, but, you know, Paul Riley immediately saying, like, the the entire team is ready to go to Utah. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of his quote was, we'll burn the boats. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I, OK. Just referencing Cortez. <laughs> All right, then that's a place to go with it. Sure. Like... All right, then I guess that's exactly where we left off. Sure. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it is uh, the immediate reaction, I think, around this uh, has been the instinct for people to be like, this is a reality television show waiting to happen. And I really like I do think that that instinct is correct because you have all of the already kind of banter of the NWSL now condensed into this very sort of shortened time frame in a very different format than what we're used to. So I, I do think that it is going to prove kind of interesting to see how some of these existing relationships play out in this new format, especially under close quarters. Um, this may not come as a surprise. I do have some reality show-esque questions, but first I want to <laughs> focus on the structure a little bit more. Um, I, I think this is maybe fairly self-evident, but just so I have it clear, this is this effectively in, in place of the regular season? Do you think we'll get anything after this tournament, or is it safe to say that they're going to do this and then sort of that will be it for a while? Yeah, I mean, I, I get asked that question a lot. I mean, this, I, I actually spoke to Amanda Duffy um, with Orlando Pride yesterday, and she was like, this came together really quickly, right? The thing about this tournament is they had the opportunity to do this now, right? So they have no way of predicting, like, okay, as once July 26 rolls around and we're done with this tournament, what comes next? Because I think even looking like a month out right now is kind of still kind of a crazy concept. So there's no ruling out for something that might happen later this season, whether that's another tournament format thing, some attempt at a season, who knows, like that they've effectively kicked the can now for a couple of months. And everyone is very clear within the league, like no decision has been made that this is going to be it. Um, But it is very much like kind of a, we will cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, I personally think that, you know, if they did not have this at the very least, we probably wouldn't have soccer in the NWSL period this mm-hmm. summer. So like this for them is a win very much. And then it just means that the door can stay open for the rest of 2020 without having to close it entirely. Now, like, and then my sort of operating assumption has been based on the way everything has gone based on the kind of transparency and communication that this has been a fairly effective like process of getting things set, getting things figured out. Is that how you've seen it as well? Because with the NWSL, I believe I'm correct in saying being the first like professional league to like begin mm-hmm. operating again, that feels like a major step for a league that has not always gotten the major headlines. And I'm wondering how much that is them being a smaller organization and thus maybe being able to get it figured out faster versus sort of having the right framework in place to be able to right. make some of these decisions. 
Yeah. I mean, I think if I had started playing a drinking game where I heard, heard the word nimble associated with <laughs> NWSL, I'd probably be in a hospital right now. Um, <laughs> so I, I do think that they like, obviously, yes, they have an advantage where they are only dealing with nine teams as opposed to 20 plus 30, whatever. Right. So it's not MLS trying to figure out a solution or MLB trying to figure out a solution or NHL trying to turn playoffs into something or NBA trying to turn playoffs into something, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a much smaller thing. And also they already kind of have a model of a summer tournament in soccer. Sure. So I think that it is maybe a, like a slightly easier ask, but that said, um, I, Every single person I've ever talked to, like, as soon as Lisa Baird's name gets mentioned, the new NWSL commissioner, it turns into, like, this wouldn't be happening if we did not have her in place and we did not have her leadership. Um, I think that it has finally provided that, like, central presence for the league um, to have someone who can kind of herd cats and ensure that, you know, I talked to, um, you know, Iverbush is one of the directors of the NWSL Players Association, and, you know, she was like, right at the moment, women's soccer can't afford to have boats pointed in different directions. Like everybody's got to be rowing in the same way. And I think having that point person to actually ensure that the rowing is happening all in the same direction has been the thing that's kind of proved the key right at the moment in getting a small league prepped to actually, you know, play games again. And when she's not figuring things out, she's on Twitter ask, answering, I believe, unsolicited <laughs> questions. Not bad by her. I know, what, right? What can you tell us about Lisa Baird? Because I, I will admit I am not as familiar with her. I'm wondering about her background and maybe her style of leadership, what she's going to bring to NWSL. Yeah, I mean, so she's she's got a sports background, right? Like she, her previous job before this was at WNYC um, doing marketing. But then before that, she worked with the U.S. Um, Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So, and before that, it was like NFL, right? So she's got like big sports experience and U.S. OPC particularly is like a huge, huge win for connections. I mean, like the fact that, you know, technically we're calling this NWSL Challenge Cup, but it's actually NWSL Challenge Cup presented by P&G and Secret. Yep. And also, in addition to P&G and Secret, she also, uh, under her new leadership, the, the league has a deal with Verizon coming back as well. So... I think that she brings connections with potential sponsors. Obviously, that's already paid off. Um, I mean, I I met her in passing at Red Bull Arena, right, in one of the last final U.S. Women's National Team games before sports shut down. Um, That was technically the day before she actually started her job as NWSL commissioner. And then the next experience I really had with her one-on-one was we did like a live Instagram Q&A on the, the athletic um, Instagram and she drank a Budweiser with me. So she, <laughs> she's on point. That's good. Yeah. You know, like I, I think that, and I will say like, she is extremely online, like in addition to just responding to random things that she's not been tagged in about how to watch games. Um, I mean like she'll, she'll like my tweets every once in a while and it's stuff like my wife, uh, technically graduating with her PhD or like me posting a photo of beer. So it's not even just soccer stuff. Like she, she's online and, you know, kind of engaged. And I I think that that is not a bad thing for the league to have.
Equally important events there, posting a boomer versus graduation. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, with a PhD, right? Like, it's the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. I definitely worked just as hard for that beer as my wife did for a PhD. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like there's a chance that maybe you did, based on your workload, (laughs) at least versus my workload. Yours seems to be slightly more strenuous. Um, I also wanted to ask about the role that uh, Delroy Hansen, not Delroy, keep wanting to call him Delroy, (laughs) Delroy Hansen uh, played in all of this. And how did we end up in Utah as opposed to Orlando or another site? yeah. Right. So in theory, four bids were submitted for this tournament. Um, Utah obviously was the winner. There there have finally been some details. Alex Behar of um, Salt Lake Tribune um, got some numbers. Um, he's underwritten $700,000 of this tournament, but also, you know, facilities between um, Zion's Bank Stadium, uh, the riot. Um, he's also got, I, I hope I'm, I'm currently sitting outside. So I, I hope the sounds of nature are <laughs> it's, coming it's, through right at that, the moment. Is it a crow? Is it a grackle? <laughs> it's a crow. Okay. It's all a right. very, very large crow. All right. Anyway, Deloitte, um, <laughs> he's got, he's got some stakes in hotels, right? So like, there's a lot going for one person having a lot of these, these conditions, right? Um, a lot of work with the Utah government to ensure tests aren't being taken away from locals, so, I mean, Utah, like, it seems like because this was kind of like the perfect thing, right, where you have someone who can who can write out some of these costs, um, who has facilities, there are hotels available, you have a relationship with a government, the state has decent numbers, plus is already pushing to reopen. It just kind of, I think it presented a fit that was irresistible. Mm-hmm. And... I think that there has been some hesitation in terms of everyone still feeling comfortable with this concept of being first back. But, you know, that that has been kind of also the steady drumbeat of at least Lisa Baird, like saying we did not necessarily intend to be first. But now that we are first, we are going to take advantage of it. Much more still to come from my conversation with Meg Linehan, but first I wanted to let you know that this episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. The specially formulated CBD products with vitamins can help in all sorts of ways. They will calm you down. They'll help you relax. They'll help you keep your composure, focus on what matters, quiet your mind, all of those many, many soothing things. But if you're not into gummies, they do have other options. They've got the CBD bath bomb, which is not a thing I knew existed. It looks like a giant gummy bear, except more colorful, uh, but it's 50 milligrams of CBD. You uh, you throw into the bathtub and then you relax out, but they've got lots of other different options. Daryl has mentioned previously the YOLO shot. Uh, they have uh, energy shots of different flavors, tropical pineapple, coconut lime, sour fruit punch, all of which have CBD in them, so you get the energy, but you get the CBD. CBD plus caffeine equals solid combo. There are tinctures, there are vegan gummies, there are uh, gummies in vi- various packs, including the uh, monthly plan, the Dawn to Yawn. I'm going to assume that has you covered all day every day. Um, and then they have the uh, Cabin Scaries. We've talked about those before. They promote social distancing and responsible isolation. A portion of the sales will be donated to the BEAP, the Bartender Emergency Assistance Program, to help displaced hospitality workers. Uh, to get 25% off your first order, you can use the code SOCCER at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter code SOCCER where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. You can find out what product might be best for you by going 
going to sundayscaries.com using the promo code SOCCER for 25% off that first order. Thank you very much to Sunday Scaries for sponsoring this episode and for helping everybody feel calm in a decidedly not calm time period. Uh, and with that said, back to Meg Linehan being calm and talking about the NWSL. When the Bundesliga came back, it had the, the whole protocol of everything that everybody has to do on match days. Do you expect something right. similar or have we already seen oh, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, they've already released four entire okay. protocols publicly. Um, I would expect that there are many, many more in the works. But um, I, I do think that, you know, obviously we haven't seen a, a protocol in terms of like how the actual village is going <laughs> to work for the players or anything like that. But there's there's going to be a lot in place. And I mean, one of the, the jokes that went over pretty well on the um the first initial media call was someone brought up the Bundesliga coach that, you know, left to go get toothpaste and, and Baird was like, well, we have PNG as a sponsor. So there's going to be plenty of toothpaste for players around. Like we're going to really, and that's, that's bringing it back to Dola Hansen too. Like he was like, we will open the checkbooks, like whatever players need, we will, we will, it's essentially a concierge service. Right. Hmm. So, um, you know, I've, I've already heard some rumblings <laughs> that players are going to try to, push for some fancy coffee since that is uh really the number one love i think of nwsl players <laughs> across the league is really? uh oh yeah they are intensely into their coffee situation so wait hold on we gotta stick with this for a moment is, <laughs> are we talking like are we talking like specific like, do they want fancy keurig cups or do they want like fancy french press like what are, do you want an espresso I what mean, are we looking like, at here, just, oh it's i think the espresso game is very strong okay like okay. lattes and and um, I mean, like even I, I think about the Australia players that played in Portland and they like had a very specific favorite coffee spot. Wow. And you would just see their constant postings of like their little lattes or flat whites because Australians really love flat whites. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely like a known thing that NWSL players love their coffee. <laughs> I am I am learning important facts today. That's good to know. So if you if you're having an interview with an NWSL player, if you want to get off on the right foot, especially in Aussie. Bring a flat white, yeah. bring some sort of fancy coffee. Is that about it? Yeah. yeah Sweet. I, I can do so. that. All right. I'll remember that. I'll write that down. Um, but when it comes to the players, uh, coffee aside, how have they reacted to the plan? Has there been any pushback? Have there been any people who've been hesitant to report to training or show up for the tournament? Yeah. I mean, I think that – so the nice thing is is that there's no repercussions, right? If players opt out, um, U.S. Soccer clarified with me that there's no – there's no like contract issues if players choose to go. Um, U.S. Women's National Team Players Association put out a statement saying every player decides for themselves and will be supported by the federation and by our PA no matter what they decide. Um, my first story off of the the Challenge Cup was with Yale Averbush and they negotiated with all of the teams in the league that um, they have guaranteed contracts and guaranteed health insurance through the end of the year as part of this, and that is for every player. Uh, whether they go to Utah or not. So, you know, I mean that there, there's been like a huge amount of social media discussion about like there's a certain number of U.S. women's national team players who aren't going to go, right? And the nice thing about this is I, I don't think we're going to get those names immediately because final rosters aren't due until June 21st. There is, of course, the tension um, where teams need to know who's going so that way they can train, right, effectively. But um, I do think that it is, by and large, most players seem like they're going to go. I think that they are. we are going to see some players opting out. I don't have names. Like I haven't really been trying to chase that story because I also want to give players the time to make that decision on their own. Like 
this entire time, I mean, the way that you have to think about Challenge Cup is if you go, if there's a positive result, sure, the chances are nothing is really going to happen, but we are still actually in the middle of a global pandemic. and The risks are much higher. Um, there are also injury risks at play here with the condensed schedule and the fact that um, players are going to be playing on turf. So, you know, there's a lot to, to weigh for U.S. national team players also in theory. Um, most of them are still an Olympic roster. So there's a lot happening, but I, I do think for the most part, and, and we've started to see NWSL players weigh in on Twitter or, you know, the ones that have been on um, press calls via the team, someone like Emily Mengus or, or Lauren Barnes have all pretty much expressed so far, like, you know, we're set and ready to go. Sticking with the players, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the effect on the like the transfer market in Europe and how much players are going to go for. There's been some speculation with moves in the United States. Uh, Sarah Buhati, uh, Jennifer Marison, supposed to both join uh, um, Utah, I believe. Uh, but now I'm wondering, mm-hmm. is there a chance that that doesn't end up happening because of sort of the situation with the pandemic? I think there was reporting last week that maybe some other clubs were interested in those two. So I'm wondering what you've heard on that front. Right. I mean, I think that the the biggest complication on this front right at the moment is really just that the logistics of actually getting players over here are now far more complicated. Um, you know, teams are working directly with Homeland Security, essentially, to get players overseas. And I know, again, when I spoke to Amanda Duffy, she was like, I still have some players overseas that, you know, we have to get 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 across and actually into training. So I think that there are a lot of now additional barriers. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily enough to stop, but I think that it's also probably going to change just the way that players maybe decide where they're heading next. Um, And, you know, is the, is it worth it to sign this contract right now for a month long tournament and still have question marks where, you know, you might get more regular games in other countries, especially in Europe, which might be handling the pandemic better. You know, like there's just a lot of complicating factors right now, but I don't think we've heard anything really definitive about um, all of these potential trade rumors, especially concerning uh, Utah Royals. I mean, having to deal with like, immigration and homeland security does feel like it plays into the reality show aspect of things. So I could go with that reality show. Like there's 90 day fiance. Why don't we get like 90 day NWSL player and we can figure it out from that perspective. I'm in on this. Uh, You did mention the pandemic aspect of things. It does like tamper my enthusiasm for the NWSL village, which is apparently going to be a thing. Uh, Can we talk about that for a moment? And like, like, is that essentially, I know it's being like, it was compared in, in your interview with the IL to, the Olympic Village, I'm assuming it won't mm-hmm. be quite such a party atmosphere given the right. global pandemic nature of things. Right. Yeah. I mean, it does really seem like teams are going to be their own units, right? Um, so I don't know if there's going to be a huge amount of like, <laughs> you know, North Carolina courage mingling with yeah. Orlando pride. But I do think that it's still going to be a pretty interesting thing. And, you know, even if players aren't necessarily seeing each other face to face, I think that um, being in the same building potentially is still, you know, going to be close enough. And I, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how a lot of this plays out. I know that obviously with some of these new partnerships, the league has NWSL players association is already thinking about this. Like, how do you bring people, you know, there's no fans at these games, right? So how do you bring people inside this and make it something new and weird and, and interesting to watch both on and off the field. So I think even if, they're maybe not necessarily seeing each other face to face. There's probably going to be an increased level of um, content (laughs) 
across teams yeah. that we might be able to expect. So I don't think it's going to be quite as um, rowdy as some of us are expecting. But I, I do think that, um, I mean, one of my other suggestions to on a phone call with someone affiliated with all of this kind of stuff was um, someone had suggested on Twitter, you know, okay, they're going to get um, ping pong tables. So the next natural step is beer pong. And I was like, well, this is clearly the Budweiser NWSL <laughs> content we deserve. Um, so, you know, maybe as teams get knocked out, maybe that's what team number nine gets to do is just play beer pong online for us all. I mean, I personally would pay an extra $6 to watch an NWSL beer pong tournament. So I mean, I'm just, I you know, I'm trying to one. speak yeah. things into existence. Um, and also that doesn't depend on, on teams mingling. So, you know, just a, a free suggestion. <laughs> All right. Well, if the NWSO Beer Pong uh, tournament happens, I'm assuming you'll be there to cover it. With that in mind, do you know how much like press access there will be? Is it going to be a, very, yeah. a fairly closed off thing or will a, a few people at least be allowed in? That's a great question that I don't actually have an answer to. So in addition to all my other work, I'm also the um, director of the executive committee of the NWSL Media Association. So I've also been trying to figure out what the actual media access will be like. And we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern. Um, I've heard a couple mixed things. So um, we will see. We will see. And I mean, even if there's only a few people on the ground, like they're still going to have to figure out media access for, for everyone else who's not going to travel for it, especially to try to maximize mainstream coverage. So, again, logistically, all of this is kind of uh, a nightmare. Um, I don't really envy the people who have to figure all of these answers out. But um, you do have to balance like if you do have have people on the ground, um, how do you also get access to people who are off site? Because that is probably going to be the vast majority of people trying to cover these games. So it's definitely um, definitely going to be something that I'm working on. And then with uh, the action resuming, uh, people obviously are going to be excited to watch live soccer or more live soccer. Mm -hmm. Are there any new names or faces that you would like uh, point people to in terms of maybe they don't have as much familiarity with? Maybe they have a little bit from, say, the last Women's World Cup or something like that. Uh, are there any players new to the league or relatively new to the league that you think could make an impact? Yeah, I mean, I, I already kind of mentioned this with Orlando, but I mean, I personally, I've been waiting for Allie Riley to be in NWSL mm -hmm. since it started. So I'm personally extremely excited to watch that happen, especially because Allie Riley playing with Marta is kind of, uh, I enjoy it mm -hmm. personally. So <laughs> I am actually very excited for that. But I mean, them, them also adding Jade Moore, like she's a legitimately good player who's going to make a difference for them. So I am actually really excited to see kind of how Orlando approaches this tournament. Um, you know, from, I guess part of this too is hard to, uh, guess in terms of like, okay, well, if I say a player, are they actually going to go? But I, I do think that North Carolina is going to be very interesting because we have seen them get through summers where they have additional games, you know, like they play ICC tournament and, and can do that squad rotation and have just the depth in their roster that some other teams do not have. So I'm very curious to see how they approach it just from like a, a minutes being managed point of view. So, and then the new uh, kits that we're going to be seeing. Mm -hmm. Who do you think leads the way in that one? I'm assuming it's Portland, but I'm wondering if there's any other contenders. Yeah, I mean, well, we haven't seen uh, most of the yeah. new kits. Um, Orlando is doing theirs pretty soon. Um, I know North Carolina has has their set in theory. You know, Rain 
has gone through a rebrand this off season. So I have no idea what to expect from them. Um, I've gotten a couple of questions being like, who do you like better Portland or, or Chicago? And I have to, I feel like I'm, I'm doing the thing where I like, I love all of my children equally. Um, I, I think that both teams are doing kind of the same thing in different ways. And I think that Portland has a, has a brand that they can lean into in a really interesting way. And I think Chicago has connected with their community in a way that no other team has connected, at least in terms of like kit design. So um, I mean, I, I have both New Jersey's and I, I think that, yeah, I, this is the thing that I'm actually really excited about NWSL and, and the thing that I try to write about as much as I can is that both Portland and Chicago and, and the other teams have finally really leaned into the idea that there is a unique culture to NWSL, right? It's not just kind of this, oh, another black kit or, oh, it's another white kit or whatever. Like they are finding unique spaces to to create a culture that is unique to NWSL. And that is absolutely a thing that needs to happen. How, how big are you on, on jerseys while we're on the topic? Forgive me for like stalking your Twitter. I feel like I saw you yeah. buying uh, or getting a uh, WNBA jersey recently. I feel like yeah. I saw you in the Ford Madison one. I think the Portland one as well. Yeah. Feels like you've got yeah. a decent collection going. I, I, my wife probably would enjoy it if I would stop um, <laughs> acquiring. So, I mean, I, I walked out of France with an absurd amount of jerseys it was really bad like and and granted like fortunately you know obviously with my role at the athletic um my travel expenses were paid for so i was kind of like mentally justifying it of like well i'm not yeah like i'm not paying my own way here so like i should support women's soccer by buying jerseys um but i think i came home with 10 question mark um (laughs) yeah i mean like andy doss actually from the new york times completely roasted me in my own dms like he took a photo i had the worst bag in france like it was a duffel bag that turned into a giant backpack and it was torture um but he took a photo of me like walking to the train station in one of the towns and he's like <laughs> literally like wrote a new york style uh new york times style caption with like meg linehan weighted down by the weight of her own terrible decisions and buying additional jerseys <laughs> struggles to get to the train station i was just like thank you we don't all have that times money andy <laughs> all right <laughs> Someone's so, got to choose between jerseys and backpacks, and and you yeah. got to make the right choice there. I think you made the right one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely, I just picked up like an Ireland kit that was on sale. Um, yeah, it, it is, it is definitely a, an ongoing. I have, I think, two like full, full size tubs of jerseys wow. at this <laughs> point. Awesome. So, you know. Normal things. When you when you start your NWSL TV show, will they be in the background in your <laughs> fake bar setting? That I think is a, yeah. a legal obligation for that type of thing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, and that's not even getting into scarves, right? Like, oh, yeah, good call. So, um, I think I'm actually probably worse on jerseys than I am on scarves. So, well, I, I hope that when you do launch your uh, your TV talk show, <laughs> the Crow is like your uh, your Kevin Eubanks, <laughs> your, your your Paul Schaefer sort of situation. Right. I think that right. I think that's a good sound. I enjoyed that yeah. in the background. But Meg, I also enjoyed getting all the information from you. Thank you very much for taking the time to uh, to help make sense of things uh, for me and for our listeners. We uh, we very much appreciate it as always. Awesome. Thank you for having me.